Hello, Untitled Friends, and welcome to Art Time of the Month. Yes. <laughs> We're doing it. We're doing it. We're Here. talking about things that are not menstrual cycles. No. No. Because <laughs> no. But it's a fun play on that term. Art yes. Time of the Month. I think when I was like, I like the idea of like a, a once a month thing. like a aunt- And I was like, once a month like a period? <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Let's do that. Hi. Hi, Wendy. Hi, Joe. Safine. Yes. How are you? I, I'm fabulous. I'm really excited <laughs> for this. You extra gay tonight. I know. <laughs> I'm so extra tonight because, you know, this is, we, we are recording in the Fright School studio. Which is new. I'm literally sitting on like a bed of dead dolls. It's creepy and weird. I know. It's, I mean, it's, I, I turned on more lights than usual. <laughs> Usually there's like. I appreciate it for what it is. This is not typically my scene, but you know, I'll play around in it for a sec. And usually on Fright School, I, we talk about horror and I find any excuse to gay it up. And now I don't have to find an excuse. Or I'm just going to be extra gay. Extra, <laughs> extra. And I'm just going to be extra heggy about it tonight. Yes. Okay, good. Yay. So you're Wendy. I'm Wendy. And so this whole thing stemmed from the fact that Joe and I tend to be big, gossipy bitches about things. And we we did a podcast together under your Untitled Friendship Project. Yes, the Untitled Friendship Project. Their episodes are still out there. Episodes are still out there. Mine was out there, and it was like a really long episode, right? Yeah, but it was amazing. But it was super fun, and I felt like we just had like a fun conversation like all night, and and then a lot of people listened to it, so... So here we are. So here we are. We're just giving the people what they want. We're giving the people arts monthly. Yes. Even on your light days. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. There you go. You riding a horse? Got a heavy day, a heavy flow month, maybe. Yes. Um, January has been a heavy flow of arts. Yes. Happy to happy new queer. Happy 2018. I hope it's not the shit show that 2017 was. Oh my gosh. Sweet Lord, baby Jesus. Goodness. Did you you made it through though? Um, I did. I persevered. I yes. came out. Still you rised. <laughs> I did. I did. They went low. I went high. Yes. Michelle Obama. Um, Yes. You know what happened. Listen, world, we're all in this together. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Here we are. And that's all Mm. we're going to say about that. Mm. Well, maybe not. Well, we should mention the fact that as we are recording this, Mm -hmm. uh, our D-bag of a president yes. is currently giving the state of the union address yes the commander and like, in um, let's not watch that let's hang out and record bitchy things instead exactly because like on one hand i understand it's like he only cares about ratings so let's not watch anything and mm. i'm like i kind of want to see what this motherfucker gonna say I and i was like i kind of want to save the arts with my friend joe tonight yes yes better done better choice better choice choose your choice friends untitled friends Choose your choice. Choose that choice. You do it. You do you. We're going to add that into, you know, number one, <laughs> Wendy's rules. Number one. Choose your choice. Choose your choice. Stick by it. So we have a lot to discuss this month. The arts in January, in Enero. Um, yes. Ooh, multi, bilingual. I know, Ooh, I, know. I didn't know I'm, you were bi. <laughs> I'm going to drop a lot of Spanish on you, Josephine. Um, we have award season has begun, children. Ah. Uh. Award season has begun. Oh, the pageantry. And I love it. Um, So we have to discuss the Golden Globes, the SAG Awards. The Oscar nominations came out. The Grammys came out this Mm -hmm. month. Y'all, that's that's a lot. 
That is a lot. Tis my season. Do you, are you, have you always been a, a golden, a go, have you always been I've, like a golden globe? Have you always been a award queen? I've always been living my life like it's golden. Golden. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, Yes, I've always loved award shows. I have always been obsessed with red carpets and the ceremony of it all. And really, like, it's it's the ceremony of it. I also feel like anytime we as society can, like, pause and really honor the arts as, as a craft and ha- as a place in the industry, like, in any artistic realm, like, it's so important to do that, which is why, like, ending the year with the Kennedy Center honors is so important to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's such an emotional thing. Like, I'll cry for, like, five gajillion hours about it because it's the night where government stops and we pause to, like, honor the arts in our government, you know? Yeah. 2017, that was a little different, but, you know. Yeah, just whatever. a little bit. It's the first Kennedy Center honors that didn't have a president in attendance because he's an asshole, but whatever. But, you know, I That's mean, my opinion, friends. Untitled friends, bear with me. We have a lot of opinions, y'all. We do. We have lots and lots of opinions. Um, so anyway, yes, I do. I like the award shows and and the pageantry because I like to like pause, take a moment, honor things. You know, it's important. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, my friend Eric, shout out to him. He hey Eric. He has this whole thing about um, on New Year's Eve we watched the um, the Kennedy Center Honors mm-hmm. honoring Carol King, but mm-hmm. Aretha Franklin. Yes. Can we talk about that moment? Because that was from two years ago. Yes. That that moment. First of all, first of all, mm-hmm. <laughs> Riri comes onto the stage with her purse. Yeah. <laughs> with her purse and a coat on. And the coat. She walked onto that damn stage and put her purse on the piano. On top of she's like, here, hold this piano. And just starts banging. And this. then sits down at the piano and throws her fur aside like over the seat to start playing. And it was such a moment. Then she gets up from the piano so that a gay can take her place at the bench. And she (laughs) takes center stage and throws down, like leave your fur coat on the goddamn stage, Aretha Franklin. I, yeah. And Carol King mm. is like living her life. Just like never lived. It was, it was not Mm. enough that she was honored by the Kennedy center. uh, But the real MVP, the real true MVP of that entire video on YouTube, the entire moment was the Gaijin sitting. Yes. 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 yes, yes. (laughs) That's such a, where he's just weeping like a sad little queen. He's just like, like, I can't believe this. He's like, I can't believe I'm in this box right now. I was like, oh my God, (laughs) Michelle, thank you for bringing me. That Uh, is so funny. I feel like Michelle's like, go get your life, gay. Go get your (laughs) life. I want to know whose stylist that was. (laughs) I was like... (laughs) It looked like like one of the designers from Trading Spaces. (laughs) (laughs) Vern Yip. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Vern. Oh my God. No, I was all about that. Like everything about that whole night was like amazing. Mm Oh, oh man. Love it. But yes, love it. so Kennedy Center honors. The honoring the arts is very important. No doubt, no doubt, no doubt. Hence, we have art time of the month. Yes. So here we are. We got that art time. So here, here we, we go. Here we go. So let's talk about the Golden Globes. Well, I feel like we can't talk about the Golden Globes without talking about Time's Up. Oh my and about gosh. The black movement. Yes. And so like, tell us about it. Well, um January one, right? Like the new year it was it the first or it was it was later that week. I think it first weekend. I noticed it later that week. 
But I feel like it was a January 1 initiative. Hold, let me check Instagram right quick, real quick. If anyone wants to come and be our intern to look up shit for us, you're more than welcome (laughs) to. I would love that. Let me check the Time's Up movement real quick. Um, We're just checking in with a movement right now. No, just hold, please. Hey, dear sisters. Okay. So this started, it literally dropped on January 1st. Love it. So January 1st, the Time's Up movement uh, dropped, and basically it was all of a coalition of women in the arts who wanted to represent gender equality and, uh, and, and the balance of power and, uh, and no more, uh, uh, pay gaps and things like that. So, um, and so time was up on all of that, on the, on the imbalance of power. And so on January one, this like amazing coalition of women came together from the arts industry, but also then like it opened it up to like the farm workers and to all of the other industries. And so it didn't just become a Hollywood thing. It was really just like, and in every industry we're behind you and we're providing legal counsel for you and we believe your stories and we're listening to them. And, um, and it was so powerful and it was so cool to immediately see this just kind of come to life on January 1st. Mm -hmm. So then flash forward to the golden globes, which was like the following weekend, And the, um, the, the movement started that like you're supporting times up where black at the golden globes. And, it was a red carpet full of black. And I was watching the red carpet and getting really emotional about it because nobody asked the, like, who are you wearing question. Yeah. Instead, it was like, why are you supporting the movement? What do you have to say about it tonight? Like, what do you believe in right now? And, mm-hmm. uh, and so many women were able to, to speak uh, like passionately about about why they haven't been heard for so long, you yeah. know, instead of like, I'm wearing Versace and blah, 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 blah. and we have to talk about Versace later, by the way, yes. but, <laughs> but, um, Johnny's going to get it for real. So, I mean, it was just, it was such a, a lovely moment. And yeah, then, absolutely. And then Oprah killed everyone. And then, yes. And then Oprah apparently just slayed it. She did. I showed that, her uh, her Cecil B. DeMille Award, uh, her Lifetime Achievement Award speech to um, all of my classes of students the next day mm. on that Monday because it was just such a moment of like, we hear you, we believe you, you're young, but you, you have a voice and you have truth and speak it and we believe you. Um, and... And I have not always been a fan of Oprah. Forgive me, friends, but oh, yeah. well, listen. I mean, speak, I speak your truth. Speak I on mean, it. Yeah, I don't know. She's not always been my cup of tea, but that moment, hands down. Yeah, was legit. I feel like at that moment, you know, she. I feel like at that moment, it just kind of solidified. You know, if if we're going to have, if we're going to honor one of the most prominent, strongest women in in an, in that industry, in a industry at that particular Golden Globes, mm-hmm. it had to have. She, she had to have said some sort of message. You know, it's the the stark thing for me about um, the Golden Globes and Times Up is that you know, no man really did anything mm-hmm. <laughs> to to support or say or give their space you know i mean um i do appreciate i do like uh guillermo del toro mm-hmm. and i did appreciate his speech because you know that was just super that's just super personal um to an extent the um the acceptance speech by gary oldman was a was like va- mm-hmm. vaguely political but yeah at the same time and i just felt like i just felt like there was more that could have been done absolutely more and i think that like I think the biggest male voice at the Golden Globes, obviously, was Seth Meyers. Yeah. Who, who hosted, and he went in. 
He went in hard yeah. on like everybody who has been brought into this light on Kevin Spacey, on Harvey Weinstein, on on everyone. And um and since then though, it's interesting to to kind of hear the the James Franco, the Aziz Ansari, mm-hmm. like all of these other stories coming to light. And there's gonna be more. There's gonna be so much more, but um, I feel like the more we publicize them and put them on a stage and talk about it without like yeah. a polite lens, um, then you know we're gonna ultimately kind of take those steps towards gender equality. Deborah Messing calling mm-hmm. that <laughs> calling that e reporter out, and it's like for real. I was surprised. I'm so surprised that your network doesn't support gender equality. How great! Oh, yeah. And the, <laughs> one of my favorite red carpet photos was the photo where it was all of the actresses who brought like an activist with uh-huh. them. Yeah. And I looked at it and it was like, it was so beautiful because it was probably one of the more diverse press photos I had ever seen mm-hmm. of just literally a rainbow of people and all women mm-hmm. and just be just radiating like this light and power. It was so amazing. It was so great. And then the following weekend was the SAG Awards. Yes. Um, we need to talk about Danielle Brooks. And her oh. moment, that dress, mm. what uh, sweet mother Jesus. Mm-hmm. I like, that's going to go down as one of the year's best looks, hands yeah. down. She's everything. The dress, the hair. My oh God. God. We're, friends, we're talking about that like black and red sparkle to the floor evening gown. And her hair had that wave mm. and her nails and make it like, flawless head to toe and the fact that like she is a full figured woman who is so proud and like it's just just so stunning so like just so represented so well it was so perfect she just (laughs) she walked out and she's like i know yes exactly (laughs) i know she's like uh huh. Enjoy your welcome. Uh-huh. Great. Uh huh. Tasty bringing it. That's right. Hey. Tasty all about oh it. Oh my god, it was so good. She was so everything. Um, the moment I need to talk about at the SAG Awards, really, other than Danielle Brooks's dress, because it's kind of the only thing I remember from the SAG Awards. Um, the other moment I really remember that made me like guffaw cackle out loud. <laughs> I can't even, like, without even thinking about it. Okay. Was when they introduced the SAG, the Screen Actors Guild president, Gabrielle Carteris. <laughs> and out comes <laughs> Andrea Zuckerman of 90210. You didn't know that? No, I know that she oh, yeah. is. I know that she's the SAG president. But sh- out comes Andrea Zuckerman. <laughs> and she tries. Not looking a day over. <laughs> not looking a day over 65. And she. God bless her, though. No, she did. She looked good. She looked good. Yeah. But she looked like she did when she was playing an 18-year-old. Exactly. I was like, she was literally the oldest person on the cast. She was like 40 playing an Mm 18-year-old. Anyway, the moment being... She was a teenage mother in a geriatric pregnancy. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. She came out, and she tried to have some kind of Oprah moment. And I was like, oh... That's cute, girl. Sit down. That's cute. <laughs> <laughs> like she tried to have this like strong, empowered, everyone get on your feet kind of speech. And it was like, Andrea Zuckerman, <laughs> go to bed, girl. Just go to bed. <laughs> like it was Sit so much. Down. <laughs> like, it, oh God. Oh, bless it. 
Bless her heart. Kristen <laughs> Bell did a pretty good job, I thought. She did. I always feel like the thing I love about the SAG Awards is that it doesn't have a host. Mm-hmm. And so when they put a host in there, it felt really forced to me, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but I, she's so lovable and everyone loves Kristen Bell, so. Yeah. You gotta love that. Gotta love that, gotta. that little girl. You gotta love her because she, she's awesome. She's awesome about everything. About everything and everything too. She has um, this is a this is a January thing. She has a new web series that she's releasing. Um, the first three episodes are through Ellen's channel on YouTube. I saw something about that. Oh, girl, I I got to work like super early the other day, uh-huh. and I watched the first three episodes, and I was how like, long are the episodes? They're like fifteen minutes. Really? Okay. Yeah. So the first uh, they're all about being a mom. They're called Mom Splaining. Uh-huh. And the first episode is she takes a new mom who's pregnant, who's like eight months pregnant or something through like all these things about childbirth and talk to, and answers her question. She sits down with Catherine Hahn and they have oh, like I saw the, the watermelon, mm-hmm, bit. Yeah, the yeah. watermelon with the rubber band. Mm-hmm. And she actually takes her to like her own gynecologist mm-hmm. to like talk about everything. Like it was just, it was, it was really great. She's so goddamn charming. Mm-hmm. She really is. And if, if last year is no indication about, uh, about the future, if her and Dax ever break up, I will be more devastated than when Chris Pratt and Anna Faris broke up. Mm. You know, but Chris Pass, you know, Chris Pratt is like a low key piece of shit. So is know. he, he's like, he's one of those people where it's like, you know, where he stands politically, but he never talks anything political because mm. he knows that he's going to alienate a bunch of people. Like that's the, that's the word. That's the goss. That's is the hot really? goss. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just it that's the feeling from everything and uh-huh. he's also like you know he's like this bro from like washington he, you know you can't yeah. you can't shake that he is mad bro mm-hmm. bro um, but i think the thing i love about anna ferris and kirsten bell is like they're also bros you mm-hmm. know what i mean but they're mm-hmm. like they're like the chick bros that you want you know <laughs> i feel like yeah. all of my really good girlfriends are like bros you know yeah yeah what up bros Hey, bros. What's up, bro? So what do you want to talk about next? Um, okay. So in between these things, um, the Grammys was like the next big um, uh, award show event. But in between them, out came the Oscar nominations and the Women's March. And the Women's March. Um, so the Oscar noms came out. This is what I need to talk about. <laughs> We have we have all the time in the world. So <laughs> we have all the time <laughs> in the world. Okay, um, Tiffany Haddish is having her moment. Uh, I watched it. Ah, uh, so did <laughs> I. Okay, so here's the thing. I love Tiffany Haddish. I think she's fucking brilliant, and I think she's smart. And so sweet and hysterical. And Joe is dancing like I Tiffany just, Haddish I right now. I just did the nae <laughs> He just nae But <laughs> bless her. Don't bring in Tiffany Haddish to pronounce some names. Like at the Oscar <laughs> nominations. I just feel like she's so lovely. And she would make such a great presenter at the Oscars. She'd make a great host the Oscars. She'd make a good host. But... For the reading of the names, wherein your name is announced as an Oscar nominee, there's such a sense of occasion about that, mm-hmm. and there's such a sense of importance about that, that I would rather have somebody who is going to like giggle and mispronounce my name as they like stumble through it. And she's like, I don't know why. 
And she even said it. She's like, I don't even know why they brought me here. Yeah. Like, she looked fly wearing Seriano, though. Yeah. Uh, first of all, I think, I th- oh, God, I, I should have known. I should have known because yeah. he just knows how to dress. That, like, black pantsuit with uh, the half cape. Oh. Uh, uh, <laughs> we are so gay. It was, uh, first of all, <laughs> to pair Tiffany Haddish with Andy Serkis, yeah. I, could, I could watch that buddy comedy yeah. all day long. He was so uncomfortable. He was like, what? Can we just get through this? He was like, um, I was like, and you should have given the, you should have given the European motherfucker that yeah. <laughs> those yes, names. Yes. I am not normally up that early to watch the Oscar nominations, but, um, for some reason I woke up really early and I was in bed. It was like, I woke up like an hour before my alarm went off. Your body knew. And my body knew it was like, Wendy arise. <laughs> Arise for the glamour. Yeah. Go. And I woke up and I just turned on my phone and then I was like, oh, I could watch this shit live. And I was promptly appalled at like 530 in the morning. I was like, oh, God, stop talking, <laughs> Tiffany Haddish. Stop it. Stop it. I love you too much to watch you butcher these Three names. Three billboards outside Missouri. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> outside Ebbing, Missouri. Outside Ebbing, Missouri. <laughs> I was on. So here's my Call thing. Call me by your name. <laughs> Call me. She said that like four <laughs> times. Call me by your name. And I was like, girl, that is not That's the movie not how title. You say it. <laughs> Call me by your name. No. I Tanya. <laughs> no. No. Oh God. So my thing with Tiffany Haddish, right? So I I've been listening to um, so she wrote a book called The Last Black, Black Unicorn. Unicorn. Have you read I'm it? I'm reading, listening to I'm it? listening it to it on the Audio um, audiobook and she reads it. Uh-huh. Oh God. If you. Oh bitch. It, <laughs> it is like, it is, it's, it's not as good as her standup because you know, her standups are standup, but this is her telling her life story. So uh-huh. she, the thing about like when authors read their own work is that sometimes I feel like there's a producer in the booth that's just saying, just read it. Matter of fact, don't add any emotion, just read it. Matter of fact. And she's reading it like she's telling you uh-huh. her, like she's reading it properly, but she's still telling a story cause she's, and she's getting emotional with it. Mm-hmm. You can hear her like choke back tears mm-hmm. when she starts talking about her mom. Oh, but like, but like I also, so in the book we find out, this is not a spoiler. It comes out in like the first two chapters, but in the book we find out that Tiffany Haddish was like technically, illiterate until she was in the ninth grade Mm. and so that fact was made abundantly clear when she was trying to while she was reading oscar (laughs) nominees from like the international foreign film award i was like oh god no oh my lord and then someone at the academy got fired because they were like you brought in tiffany (laughs) but she so so i i want to i want to talk about the movie that you want to talk about yes but i i have two things there is this whole movement right now about and even signs of the women's march that were like tiffany haddish deserves an oscar nomination Mm. and i have such mixed feelings about that because tiffany haddish deserves an oscar nomination i feel the same way that octavia spencer deserved an oscar nomination what would she be nominated for supporting actress in what just because for girls trip so there's this whole thing that like that whole thing about like you know tiffany haddish deserved a supporting actress nomination for i didn't realize she was in girls trip i never saw it yeah she's she's like she's like the best thing about that entire film that the film it's what makes the film watchable josephine i'm writing this down i need to watch girl i know and it and you can like you know stream it somewhere i'm sure i could um but yeah girls trip and it's just like she's the it, she's the best thing about Girls Trip, but at the same time, it's also her kind of being her or mm. a version of herself. Uh-huh. And 
Octavia Spencer was nominated for The Shape of Water. Now, I saw The Shape of Water, and I was like, Octavia Spencer was, like, barely in it. And when she was in it, all she was saying was, Eliza! Uh Uh-huh. Eliza! I'm like, if, if, and they gave pretty the same, you know, I Mm -hmm. thought that Tiffany Haddish probably gave a better uh, performance and should deserve an Oscar Mm -hmm. nomination. But again, I'm not in the Academy, and this is Uh why they don't put facts there. Well, there you are. Well, I mean... I also felt that that Meryl Streep did not deserve to be nominated for The Post. I saw The Post. I thought it was a thrilling, lovely movie Mm -hmm. um, and an important movie. But I don't think that that performance was Oscar worthy. And I would like America. Hey, Untitled Friends. Let's wake up and stop nominating Meryl Streep for everything. Because everything she does is not Oscar worthy. No. I mean, she does a lot of good shit, but let's talk about like the really phenomenal meaty roles that deserve Oscar nominations and the phenomenal meaty performances that deserve Oscar nominations. Um, that was not one of them. No. It really wasn't. And I'm like, really, Academy? We're just getting lazy now. It's really? the same wig from Iron <laughs> from Iron Lady. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. I thought it was the same thing. I'm like, oh. And she deserved that Oscar. She won for that. Like, yeah. she deserved it for sure. But... Not for this. No. This was weird. Yeah. Who else didn't deserve a nomination, <laughs> Wendy? Who else would I strike dead? <laughs> um, I don't know. <laughs> um, um, I mean, so I shouldn't be saying this in the horror, in, in like our, you know, fright school thing. We are not politically correct but, here. But like Get Out, Get Out was a great film. I didn't see it. I haven't seen it yet. Yes, you should. I will. I'm going to. If you can, because right now I think AMC is doing this thing where they're like showing the nominations again. Uh-huh. If you can see it in a theater full of people, I would recommend mm-hmm. it because that was how I saw it with Joshua last year. Uh-huh. And it was the best viewing experience cool. with a bunch of people. However, was it Oscar worthy? Is it on the same level as Call Me By Your Name, as like Shape of Water, as Fucking I, Tanya, who did not get, yeah. <laughs> did not get a nomination for Best Picture. Mm. I was like, ooh, I don't know how I feel about Lady that. Bird, yeah. Lady, Lady Bird. Yeah. I mean, Patty Jenkins didn't get an Oscar nomination for Wonder Woman. She definitely should have got one. Sure. I for mean, sure. everyone in that category is very deserving. But at the same time, like somewhere they could have like yeah. taken out an old white guy and put in Patty Jenkins. I will say, I from what I know of Get Out... Um, I love that Jordan Peele was nominated as director and as screenwriter. Yes. Yes. It's, it's nominated for director, um, original screenplay uh-huh. and, um, and picture, right? Picture. And there's like w- a few more things and best actor as well. Um, yeah. Daniel Kaluuya is mm-hmm. also nominated yeah. for that. I think that like, and I, I've heard interviews surrounding the topic and again, I have not seen this yet, so don't crucify me for it. But, um, they I, they spoke a lot about the fact that like these are like the the uncomfortable moments being a person of color that like aren't always represented fairly or addressed like in in any kind of media or in, there there's no representation of it and so I think the fact that this film went there and it went there so publicly and mm-hmm. s- in such a big big way um, is is really kind of what what is kind of establishing this new genre of horror yes woke and that's kind of <laughs> woke but, horror yeah. So I think that alone is kind of the the creative factor there that would like. And one thing, and one thing we talk about Get Out too is the fact that like it's it's it does everything you said about like people of color and all of that, but it also talks about ra- liberal liberal white racism and the microaggressions. For sure. Yeah. 
and oh. the microaggressions that happen when you're like, you know, I voted for Obama. <laughs> that shit is so real. Yeah. Okay. I have a list of movies that I have to still see before Oscar Sunday. Now, friends, untitled friends. Yes. The Oscars are not until March 4th. So I have Thanks, time. Olympics. You're welcome. And thank you, NBC Olympics. Yeah. Okay. So I still have to see Call Me By Your Name, mm. The Shape of Water, All the Money in the World, which I heard was fantastic. Um, Phantom Thread, I heard, was like weak sauce. I heard it was... I haven't seen it, but I heard there's like something that happens at the end that just makes you question the entire film. It's one of those like Mm. the ending... I mean, in kind of classic Paul Thomas Anderson, like Uh it all comes down to what happens at the end. That one might be one that I'm like, meh, I'll be fine if I don't see it. I want to see Darkest Hour. I want to see Get Out, Battle of the Sexes. I do have The Disaster Artist on my list. However... I don't want to see it now for two reasons. One, I haven't ever seen The Room, the original The Room. And two, James Franco's a piece of shit. So I don't want to see it and support him. Same. Yeah. So I'll live through that. Um, And those are my thoughts there. Let's talk about I, Tanya. Because, friends, we are on the cusp. We're on the eve of the 2018 Olympics. Winter Olympics, mm-hmm. wherein all of our glittery gay ice skating glory is about to take place. So, where were you in the 1994? Like, when all of that went down? Where not, were you here or were oh you in God. Guam? Where were I you? I was on Guam. You were on I Guam. I was five. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Islander. Toddler uh, 1994, right? I was five. Mm-hmm. I, the only Olympics I remember. Uh-huh. Um, the first Olympics I remember would be the uh, uh, Summer Olympics 1996 because okay. we were we were visiting my uncle in Virginia and mm-hmm. the torch was coming down and we went to go see the Olympic torch relay. Got it. Was that in the was that that was in Georgia? That was in Atlanta. Yeah. Got it. Okay. That was the year that Muhammad Ali. Yes. Was Muhammad Ali? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He did his thing. Yeah. 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 Um, rest in power. Yes. Um, so. So. 1992 Winter Olympics, and then the jump to 1994, two years later, that was the first year that the Olympics Committee decided to do the Olympics every two years instead of every four. Because for the longest time growing up, oh, I just stuck my hand on a creepy doll. Weird. Yeah. (laughs) It's weird. I was like, what did I just hit? Sorry. I'm sitting on dead dolls, guys. Um, Okay, so... In for the longest time, the Olympics were every four years, and in that one year, they would do both summer and winter. Ooh! And then, yeah. So, like, if 2018 was the year, we would have this week right now in February, and then again in August, we'd have. The oh, summers. that's a lot. It's a lot in one year. So that jump from 92 to 94, or sorry, 94 to 96. 92 to 94. 92 to 94. Yes, those were. That was when the Olympic Committee decided to to go every two years. And so they doubled up by starting again two years later with the Winter Olympics. So 94, like basically in 1992, Tanya Harding like biffed Mm -hmm. and like didn't place where she wanted to. So she was totally going to like give it up. And then 1994 rolls around and they're like, hey, the Olympics committee was like, just kidding. We're going to do this again. And she was like, oh shit, I have a chance now. So that's when she got serious about it. Okay. That's when she's running the woods. That's when she was like, listen, shit, shit just got real. So 1994, cut to Long Island, New York. And little chubby girl Wendy sitting in front of the TV 
like plastered to to all things Olympics. Like I was just obsessed. Now, I also want to state for the record that I am not a sports person. I do not generally believe in sports, but I believe in sports movies. And I believe in the ceremony <laughs> and the occasion of sports and the underdog story. And I love like the occasion and the ceremony of the Olympics, right? Because so much of that shit's just performance. It's not sport, sport, you yeah. know? I'm totally undermining people who are like, I've done sports my whole life to be <laughs> in the Olympics. I'm awful. They undermine you every day. In other news, I'm awful. Anyway. So <laughs> we so I'm I'm like glued to the TV for all of this. And I remember clear as day the Nancy Kerrigan, Tanya Harding scandal with the clubbing of the knee and the everything. I mean like why? The why, why? I mean like Mo- like minute by minute, I remember like every day there being new breaking news, and it was like, it was all over like all of the late nights, um, the talk show circuits, and like it was everywhere. And I lived and died for that shit because that was the first time that like it became like a, the twenty four hour news cycle. Because mm-hmm. like immediately after that was when like OJ kicked in. Yep, and that was really the birth of the twenty four hour news cycle. So. Anyway, Nancy, Tanya kind of kicked that off. This movie, I found out it was coming out like months before, you know, when the rest of us did. And I immediately texted my mother and I was like, when I am home in New York for Christmas, we are going to see this. I need to see this so bad. (laughs) And it comes out in New York um, earlier than it did nationwide. Because New York is better. Well, you said it. (laughs) So. (laughs) We'll talk about the Hamill tour later. We'll talk about that. Yes, we will. So. Me, my mother, my sister, we all go to the movie theater. And I got my whole goddamn life in that movie. That movie gave me everything I needed. Everything. Alice and Jenny. I can't believe that we live in a world where Alice and Jenny does not already have like five Oscars. Uh, Yeah. Mm -hmm. That she hasn't even been nominated before this year is beyond me. Yeah. Say your piece about I, Tanya, Josephine. I, Tanya. So I saw I, Tanya by myself <sighs> and it was, it was that, awesome. Was it, was it church? It was, yes, it was church. <laughs> it was <laughs> for those, for those, for those new listeners who may not know, um, occasionally on Sundays I go to fake church, which hey, basically church. means I, uh, you know, do some <laughs> self care, but I just do it alone and by myself. Uh-huh. And this was one of those fake a church moments. A moisturizing mask. Yes. A moisturizing mask. Yeah. A good, a good, uh, a good brunch with an ocean view. Like that's what I do. Church. Um, I have, I have church. And today's church, the gospel was according to Tanya Harding. And my God. So my thing with I, Tanya, I was like, they really did dial everything in with like hard copy and mm-hmm. Bobby Cannavale being yes. this like super greasy, like yes. Mookie guy. Um, Sebastian Stan was mm-hmm. very good. I I like, I love Sebastian Stan. Like I What love. else has he been in? Sebastian Stan is the Winter Soldier. Sebastian Stan was in Political Animals. He was on Kings and NBC. He was, um, I believe he and was- he played Jeff Galuli. He played Jeff Galuli. 
absolutely. Mm. And I love Sebastian Stan. I've been following him forever because I'm a little bag. <laughs> and that was the first time I ever saw him. I have not seen him. Really? Yeah. Well, thinking about everything I just said, you probably have not seen it. Exactly. <laughs> any yeah. of it. But he... Because you so gay. I so gay. I'm so gay for Sebastian You're Stan. So His name gay. is Sebastian. You're My God. fancy as fuck. Okay. So he was really good. And he sounds nothing like that guy. Like he... His voice, I was like, wow, the voice is really, the voice is does it for me because he has this very kind of low kind of register uh-huh. and his voice was different, but he was just so good in that film. Like it just made me, it made me kind of upset that he also did not get like a supporting actor, uh-huh. a supporting actor yeah. nomination. But, but yeah. Oh, and the, the guy who played the bodyguard. Oh my God. He was so great. He was so great. Cause that dude really was like such a tool. What was his name? Again, no one, no one even remembers. I just forget, like, like the bodyguard's name, like, period. Shane. Shane. Shane or Sean. Sean. Sean? Shane? One of those two. Whatever. He was a big, giant tool. It was amazing. I, Tanya. Let's talk about, uh, I'm looking this up on IMDb right now because Untitled Friends, I don't want to let you down. Yeah. We, we care about accuracy. This isn't fake news. Listen, all about it. Sean. Paul Walter Hauser. Kudos to you, sir. Yes. Good on you. Um, I uh, one thing I, I was actually just talking to a coworker about this mm-hmm. who saw Itanya recently as well. One thing that was a little jarring for me was I feel like it's been a while since I've seen such a graphic representation of like domestic violence. Yeah, it really and, was. And when he would like just straight up like when every time she would get hit, I was like, oh shit! It's like, really jarring and yeah. it's unnerving. Which is why when she makes that statement at the end, like. I've been getting the shit beat out of me my whole life. And yeah. she gets clubbed in the knee one time and makes a big deal out of it. Like it was, it really does paint that kind of picture for you where you're like, oh yeah. 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 The, it was, yeah. the whole film did a really good job of putting into a cultural context, like that the sport at the time, because it's like, I'm the better skater, but you're never going to let me have it because. It was such a great um, depiction of classism yes. in the United States mm-hmm. at that time in the 90s. Like, it was ugh, so good. Allison Janney. Cover her in Oscars already. Yeah. I mean, she was that movie. She's, she, ugh. She's one, she, Everything. I mean. Margot Robbie may be having her moment, but people remember Alice and Janney. Yeah, it really was such a like seminal role in her career. I mean, mm-hmm. it was beautiful. I mean, I remember thinking she was going to get nominated for The Way Way Back, mm-hmm. and she didn't then. Like, I just every time she doesn't get nominated, I'm always so shocked by it. No. and so I'm so glad that she's having this moment now. And I mean, so this is a this is a hot take and probably a little controversial, mm-hmm. but to be quite honest, I I preferred her over Lori Metcalf. If we're talking about, if we're talking about like, I feel like there's a, a theme through some of the movies is like these, you know, angry white mothers. And <laughs> I feel like one of the, I liked her better than Laurie Metcalf in, in terms of her mm-hmm. performance. Yeah. I think that, I mean, they're both Oscar nomination worthy for yes, sure. For sure. For sure. I mean, it was absolutely a great role no for Laurie Metcalf too. Um, but I think that the award is certainly going to go to Alice and Jenny this year. Yeah. I mean, across the board. Oh God, she's everything. Okay. We have to move on. We have to move on. on. We have to move on. Um, okay. So, but there was so much friends. I promise you, I'm going to watch all those goddamn movies because when we talk in February, the Oscars will still not have happened yet. I am. Um, what haven't I seen? I've seen. I I 
pretty much make it a point to try and see as many films that I know will be nominated for Best Picture. So there's still some films that I want to see that I'm adding to that, but I'm not like, I don't need to watch every single film nominated. So Yeah. I, you know what I did for years? Mm-hmm. I used to watch all of the best uh, the nominated documentary films. Oh, okay. And I would have like a weekend where I'd just binge all of the documentaries because, and then of course, like you end the weekend feeling like you're going to be poisoned and bombed and like, yes. like cause all of the documentaries are like terrifying and like your water isn't safe and the planet's dying and oh my, it's crazy, but they're so well made every year. Like they're just, and, so and they just get better. They, they really do. do now with drones. They're just getting better. Mm-hmm. Um, what the three films that I haven't seen that were of the nine that have, that are nominated, um, I haven't seen the Fa- Phantom Thread, The Post, or The Darkest Hour. Darkest mm. Hour. And quite frankly, I don't know if I'm going to see those three. Uh-huh. I might go with my parents to see Darkest Hour, uh-huh. but. I don't know if I'm going to see those three. Just mm-hmm. because they, they're not grabbing me the same way the others did. The Post is a great movie. It's worth seeing. Okay, so on your recommendation... See The Post. Because you never lead me astray. I do not, Josephine. Trust. We are not here to lead you astray, we listener. We are not untitled friends. We're going to steer you in the right direction. Yes. Yes, we are. I still need to see The Florida Project. I'm really excited. I haven't seen that either. I probably won't. Um, can we talk about Coco, though? We, I can't believe we didn't talk about Coco. Oh. So tell me about, tell me about how you saw Coco, and I will tell you how I saw Coco. tell you about how I saw Coco. Um, I am trying to... So I saw it with a friend of mine from work, and I, I want to see it because I work very close to the border... And I teach beautiful brown babies all day. And I teach in a bilingual school. And so our our Mexican culture is very, very rich and very real down there. And um, and so, um, so many of my students had seen Coco like two weeks before when it came out in Mexico because they have mm-hmm. family across the border. They spend weekends across the border. Um, or they live across the border. Or it was released you. in Mexico way it before. It was released in yeah. Mexico several weeks before. So my students came back like a couple of weeks prior and they were like, oh my God, I saw Coco this weekend and I cried. It was so good. It was so good. And I was like, oh my God, I can't wait. I can't wait. So I watched it. And as soon as it started with the opening credits in the flags, in like the, um, in the garland, the mm-hmm. flag garland. The papel de china. Yeah, it was so fucking beautiful and I was like I'm already a mess now here's the moment that wrecked me wrecked me the moment where Coco like not Coco Miguel uh, Miguel thank you Miguel crawls into his his attic his little makeshift like addict which is like his shrine to de la cruz mm-hmm. and he like plays his little like makeshift guitar mm-hmm. and he like puts in his vhs and he like watches the music that's like in the beginning the very beginning <laughs> so he pushes play and you start to see his hands play along and he closes his eyes and he is feeling the music i was done for i was dead because it was such a real moment of like a kid who so desperately needs his culture and his music and his love and he'll hide he'll hide for it and he'll like do it in private and mm-hmm. he'll teach himself and like oh god I can't even talk about it without crying I still have like I thought about that movie for weeks after I saw it yeah and I still like want to see it again 
And I've been telling myself, I need to see Coco again. But and now I think it's probably out of the theaters. It's streaming soon, though. So yeah. it's, it's, it's probably going to be streaming very, very soon. I'm sure I'll see it on a plane soon. Um, I'll I, watch it seven times on I a plane. I saw Coco. Um, Where did you see it? So I saw Coco over Thanksgiving when I went to go visit my sister Mm -hmm. in Vegas. And uh, for Vegas Thanksgiving, um, my sister and her husband and her... Her husband is Mexican, and his mo- and his mom came, and um, we the the four of us or the five of us went to go see it. I sat right next to you know this woman who the night before was like teaching us Mexican poker games and like drink tequila, Yay. like it was great. Um, and so we went to go watch Coco. Did you and- the loteria? <laughs> no, like we at like Mexican like poker yeah. like because like we have like in, on. Growing up, my family played poker and they played all these really weird games. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't know what Texas Hold'em was until I came to America, until <laughs> I came to the mainland, because uh-huh. I've been playing like all these really weird versions of poker. Mm-hmm. So she taught us like her, the Mexican weird versions, like, you know, dos tres chupas, and <laughs> which we had to like tell my mom not to tell people because we, <laughs> we didn't want her to go to work and be like, you know, Leticia is going to be like, oh, Rosemary, what did you, <laughs> what did you ask? Like, oh, I played this game. It was dos tres chupas. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Um, if uh, you don't know what that means, uh, you can hear, you have Urban Dictionary, you have Google, you can figure it out. Look it up. And um, like you know, um, tres bigotones and like all this like really yeah. cool thing. Anyway, so we're watching and I'm sitting next to them and we're at this like pretty nice theater with the reclining, you know. Mm-hmm. And we were we saw it early enough. Where that did you go to see it? We in Vegas in like oh, okay. a theater Sweet. at a casino, obviously at a casino. Yeah. So we went and. It was so cool because like it was so nice because you could you could almost clock the people that were going to go see it because it was all like lots of Spanish being spoken, yeah. lots of like looking working class looking people. Yeah. And um, it was also like Thanksgiving weekend. Yeah. So, you know, there are a ton of people at the movies. And that was also we still saw it when the um, Elsa. <laughs> the oh, so did I. Yes. The Frozen. And yes. I was like. I was like, okay, I was already kind of like and emotional from that. <laughs> because Meanwhile, like every brown person in America was like, get these white cartoons <laughs> off our screen. He's like, this why do you got to whitewash it? It's our moment. Exactly. Um, like, don't whitewash it with Elsa. Come and on. And then now. Coco starts and I was like, oh, mm. and where, so Mama Coco reminds me a lot of my grandfather. Yeah. And like. Mama Coco reminds us all of our elders. And that is the genius of Pixar. Because mm-hmm. we all have a Mama Coco. Yeah. And, it, like, I mean, obviously at the end when they're singing and she starts singing and it's like, <gasps> she can talk. Uh, but the the moment that, the moment that killed me sooner was um, Edward James Olmos's character dying the final death. And he's, like, Ooh. singing, like, you know, um, whatever his name is, Gael Garcia Bernal's character, he's, he's like, you know, singing a song that's mildly inappropriate and then he just like is in the hammock and then he fades away. Yeah. To thing. I mm-hmm. was like, no, yeah, no. Um, oh it was just, it's a, it's a good film. It's and, so beautiful. And so just like, and again, like it took Colorful them years. And like, and it's so, um, it's such a celebration and such a, like a beautiful, tribute to Mexican culture that's like that's true and beautiful and honest and and such as like a weight it's I can't find words for it like it's such a gift yeah to honor a culture 
in such an honest way and like, and to just do so with so much grace and, and beauty and, and tact and, you know, especially when, when our country has been like, you know, hearing so much bullshit and so much, um, uh, of like, you know, we've been kind of hearing all of this gross, like brainwashing shit about like the, the bad stuff that comes from Mexico. And it's like, fuck you. Yeah. You know? And like, see, and the thing about it too, is like, you have, you have, um, you know, this film that can, can really is like a good, like testament to what can happen when you really put the effort into trying to make an authentic Mm -hmm. an authentic product Mm -hmm. and and representation is important representation is important representation matters for everyone yeah that's the that's the single the hot single it's gonna be a top 40 hit friends there you go um which which brings you know ultimately that brings me to the next question did you see the book of life no, I didn't. I never saw that one. I never saw it either. I also looked at it and I was like, oh, why do I need to see that? <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't need to see that. We are filthy hypocrites. In other news, we're awful. Yes. Thanks. <laughs> I, when it came out, I'm like, I don't need to see that. That looks like that looks like some like some bullshit. And, you know, Coco comes out and I'm like, oh, my God, my life. Yeah, but I heard beautiful things about the Book of Life, too. See, yeah. that's the thing. I, was, I wasn't... I Also, you know, Disney, Pixar, that's a draw yeah. to me already. Yeah. But I just... I didn't feel... I didn't... I, I would be hard-pressed to, fi- to to find that I would have the same experience. But then again, I'm also, you know, I've never seen it. So I, mm-hmm. who can know? We're awful. Yes. We're judgy, awful bitches. That's why we have a podcast. You that's can, why we're hypocritical bitches. Yeah. <laughs> Top 40 hits. Top 40 hits. Yeah. What's next, my dear? Well, as I'm sing-songing, let's talk about Grammys. Now, here's the other thing. <laughs> um, I, to be truthful, I got home from work. I was working on a Sunday. And I was like, I, you know, the Grammys, eh, me. It's like four or five hours of like mediocre performances, like nonstop, whatever. There's maybe one or two highlights in there. I'll just watch them online the next day. Yes. Which sounds atypical for my love of award season. But like the Grammys have never really been it for me. Um, I would sooner watch the Video Music Awards than I would watch the Grammys, to be quite honest. I would. And yet when I watch the VMAs, I feel like I'm 80. (laughs) (laughs) And so... Let's be real about that, too. Um, I tuned in for the Patti Lapone moment. Mm. I caught the very tail end of Ben Platt singing somewhere. Uh, and this was all a tribute to Andrew Lloyd Webber. Which is funny because the tea on that is that Patti Lapone can't fucking stand Andrew Lloyd Webber. Yeah, that's been like, like wow, she's doing I'm this. I'm like, she is on this stage honoring him. She probably got on that stage because she's like, watch what I can still do, motherfucker. Yes. Woo! And she opened her mouth and her Madonna big, who her big, beautiful jaw unhinged <laughs> and the sound of gorgeous beauty spilled out of her face like a giant, gorgeous snake. She was <laughs> yes. everything. She was like, oh, how old am I? Yeah, I still got it. Eat it, bitches. And take yeah. notes like she every like whatever I ever thought I knew about theater. Forget it. So I'm I'm calling him out. So my friend Colin, he texted me right after that happened, and he was like, "She's singing the song." And we saw we saw Evita here in San Diego, and it was all right. <laughs> I mean, it was it was not. I mean, it is what it is. And he was like, "Why am I? Why am I crying? Who is who is this woman?" And I was like, 
Who's Patty Lapone? Are you fucking kidding? <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? Oh, she's God. the she's the original Evita. And he's like, oh my God, that's why I'm crying. And I'm like, bitch, give oh, me your card. Oh my God. Get some education. Get some and, and uh, to be and he was out with the San Diego gay men's chorus. Um no. No. Okay. Take five steps backwards, please. Do not pass go. Do mm-hmm. not collect two hundred dollars. Hand it over your card, please. Know your history. Jesus. In other news, Sam Smith needs to eat something. In other news, <laughs> I miss chubby Sam Smith. I do, too. I, I do. <sighs> I'm bringing back the fat Sam Smith. Where? How, what happened to the Sam Smith that thought he was the first openly gay man to win an Oscar? <laughs> oh, oh, that naive boo-boo. Remember? <laughs> Remember him? Remember. So, Sam Smith. Did I ever tell you my Sam Smith story? Is it like your Adele story? Were you like my Adele story. when you like saw them before they were like the tea and you you just had like this pure moment? That was I think that was my Sam Smith story. I never saw Adele no? live before. I saw Adele at like the top of the Staples Center. I was literally in oh, the back that row might have been of the Staples Smith. Center. Yeah, like had there been a fire in the Staples Center, I would have been the most fucked person there <laughs> ever because I was literally like in the top of the top top section. Back row, like my back was up against the wall of the building. <laughs> like I would have been literally the most fucked person in there. And I don't care. Like I didn't care what fucking seats I had. I just needed to be there. Sam Smith story. I saw her. I saw her. Yes, her. I, I saw her for $12 at a little club downtown in New York. Cause my sister lives in Europe and she was like, we have to go see this kid. He's like, he's amazing. He's, he's huge in Europe. He's about to blow up in the States. And she's like, I just got a, I just got his tickets. We're going to go and see him in the Mercury Lounge. I was like, all right, fine. I think it was Mercury Lounge. Um, I had no idea. She was like, yeah, we're just going to go. So my sister and I and my brother-in-law, we went downtown. And with this tiny little club, we got the tickets for $12 each. And it was this tiny little club. He played a 45-minute set. My sister and I like stood on a couch And like the side of the room. And he just played to this like cramped little room. It was just him and a cello and a drummer. And it was amazing. And it was so dope. And he just did his set and then he left. Sweet little chubby teenager Sam Smith. I think the reason why I thought it was Adele is because I always call Sam Smith the male Adele. Well, there's that. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And no one can talk yeah. about queer heartbreak, much like, you know. Yeah, and I just, I want him to eat a lot of things. I know. Um, Besides just dick. <laughs> he would say that, too. The dick, yeah. Um, on that note. On that note, should we talk about Drag Race? <gasps> do you want to talk about Drag Racers or do you want to talk about the Hamilton tour? Um, well, I feel like the segue from Sam Smith into Drag Race, I feel like. Okay. In, in keeping with gay culture. Yes. In honoring your tribe. Start your engines. Um, so All Stars has come out. Mother yes. Cameroon is back. Cameroon. Did you die in that moment? I died. I was like dead. Josephine. I was like Cameroon. And you you say Cameroon more than any other <laughs> fag I know. Here's the thing, and this is a this is a drag confession. Season one's the only season I've never seen. Oh my god. Season one is the only. However, I as a good you know I know my history still clearly. So you know I know my history yes. and I know all about Cameroon. There I know. was one year where she 
like re-released season one through like a like the Vaseline season one filter (laughs) where you're looking at everything like through a fog of like gauze and Vaseline like it's so blurry well I was apparently they like did part of that season in like her garage in like Ruby's garage or something oh it was so low budget ghetto oh but like just you know and uh, and then it had like a non-crazy Lucian but it was like the roots of a movement you know what I mean it was like the beginning of mainstream drag culture and like it yeah and the look the cracks all over their faces when bb zahara benet comes out looking the most polished she was (laughs) michelle obama glam head yes flawless i was like if i if i was not concerned about like being called out for cultural appropriation i would wear every motherfucking outfit i've ever seen her in absolutely oh my god cameroon girl i'm in it for benza la creme Mm, so I I'm was in not in it for Bentelecrem. Mm-hmm. So apparently on on um on logo you can actually do a fantasy. Mm-hmm. You can do fantasy draft your queens. Oh God. Um, I know it's so I was like, stop trying to make sports happen in our <laughs> queer space. You like no. So I was trying I like, you know, I wasn't I was trying to do that today at work, to be honest. And uh-huh. I was like, and then now cement it by sharing it on Facebook. I'm like, fuck no. No. <laughs> People so, don't need to know I'm this queen. People, you know? Yeah, people need to know. <laughs> and it was like another person who works in another part of uh, my office. He was like, did you know that you can do a fantasy? I was like, what? It's <laughs> like, that's what I'm doing right now. I'm like, does nobody work around here? Um, <laughs> but like Milk was my queen going in. Uh-huh. And I like Milk because... I'm still in it for her. I like I'm, her too. I was a little disappointed by her performance because yes. it was more of the kind of like kitschy nonsense that Michelle's I know is not here for. Mm-hmm. But like Bendela, I like... Bendela really had me. And then like... And, but I just keep... I, the thing is, is that I want to say all like Thorgy and mm-hmm. Trixie to a certain extent. Like Bendela, Milk, and Thorgy are probably my three favorite queens going in. I... I would disagree with that. <gasps> I think it's, I'm in it. I'm in it for Ben mm-hmm. Kennedy. See, that's the thing I was going to say. It's like, those are my three personal favorites, but like Kennedy is a work horse. Mm-hmm. She is, a, she is a tried and true. She is a, she is a Chad Michaels. Mm-hmm. I don't have it for Aja still. I know she came to play this season, but oh, I don't have it for her. No. And I don't have it for, um, Chi-Chi. I mean, Jesus Christ. No. Ballet flats. No, girl. Jazz shoes. You came out. Tired ass jazz shoes. No. I was like, girl, you have money now. You don't. But also, if you go back and you watch that, like her entrance where she just like stomps out onto the stage is so country. It's so. I was like, oh, hey, drumline. Like, I mean, (laughs) right. I mean, one thing I was kind of turned off by is like, and again, like I, I get it. Like we, these queens are established. And Morgan did hit the nail on the head. Like these are all fan favorites. I know I'm nobody's favorite. She knows that's right. And I'm like, see, and I've seen Morgan live. Every time I've seen a drag show with those with the RuPaul queens at like a club or whatever, I see Morgan's there because she's a fucking workhorse uh-huh. and she puts on a really good show. But like, no one's she's gonna not t- likable. Exactly. No one's gonna tell you that they like Morgan McMichaels. No. <laughs> no. Also, you know, I think we're just put off. Are you? Do you have a Scottish accent or do you don't? Like, pick one. Pick a voice. I hate her i'm in it for Bandela creme we mm-hmm. love her we love her do you want to hear a conspiracy theory 
Sure. So I was told by one of my faggoty friends that there's you a, have a faggoty friend. I have I have at least five. Good for you. I'm making moves. Your average is really climbing. I know, and it's just platonic. We have no sexual tension or chemistry. You haven't touched pee We haven't touched the pee pee's. Wow, okay. We haven't. We haven't. We haven't messaged each other on Grinder. Ironically, <laughs> um, so with. With this season, apparently, because they introduced this Handmaid's Tale trope. Which I am (laughs) here for a hundred percent. With that opening, slayed me dead. (laughs) I was dead. uh... (laughs) (laughs) Oh, bitch. So... So the, the 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 theory is the fan theory is that Bibi Zahara Benet is a plant that she is going to basically ride out the season and never be one of the top queens, so that way she doesn't get a she doesn't get prize money, and that she's actually there to secretly judge because apparently there's a plant in Handmaid's Tale. I didn't know this. I, uh-huh. I've never seen the film. Or I've never seen the the TV show, so I don't know if that's true. But there's like a plant. I read the book and I watched like two episodes of the series. So I read the book too, and I don't remember there being like a plant. I remember. Either. So there's like a plant there that like is a double agent. So the fan theory is that Bibi Zahara Benet is there basically to rebuild her like image to the new Drag Race fans to have that reinvigorated, oh. so that way they can understand who Mother is, and then she will help decide who the final queens are. Yeah, and she and then she's on the inside. She's on the inside, and then people know her when they fi- after season ten when they finally have an all stars of all-star of the queens so the idea of the eventual the long con game is that it re it reinvigorates her in the consciousness Mm -hmm. so that way when they go when rue finally has her dream of doing an all-stars with all winners Uh that people will know who bibi zahara and benet is josephine Mm -hmm. if this theory does not come to fruition you have just disappointed our tens of listeners i know (laughs) all 10 of you are tens of listeners yes. literally my goodness Ugh. i'm here for drag race all day every day mm-hmm. yes mm-hmm. um let's bounce back to the hamel tour now <laughs> josephine brought this up i want to honor this i want to make space for it okay um i am a bougie as fuck bitch I saw a Hamilton two years ago. Can everyone get over it now? There I said it. And where did you see Hamilton, my dear? I, saw, I am from New York. I go home to New York quite often. And I got tickets to Hamilton at the right time. I paid almost a month of rent to get those tickets. But ultimately, I bought the tickets like before the show moved uptown from, uh, from the public and it was before the soundtrack came out and it was before he won the MacArthur Genius Grant. And it was like, I just got the tickets like right in the sweet spot. And so I still paid more than I've ever paid for a ticket in my entire life. And I got two tickets. I took my dad. It was maybe the most grown up thing I ever did. And I told him, I was like, you put me through college, but I took you to see Hamilton. Yes. We're even. And he was like, <laughs> he was like, all right, that's pretty much the equivalent. I was like, yeah, pretty much. Um, so I saw it two years ago with the original cast on Broadway. In the orchestra. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, uh, and 
And listening to her, so in in the in one of in the episode, we talk about this in our untitled friendship. In our untitled episode, friendship uh-huh. episode, we talk about the what that experience was like, and mm-hmm. it was a very fresh experience at that point. And now, mm-hmm. and now having some distance from it, and also seeing them go on tour. Well, and I called it then too because yeah. having that have been a fresh experience. I mean, and I will say this too: it is a genius piece of theater. It is a genius work. Um, and sitting in that theater in that moment two years ago, I did, I was very hyper aware of the fact that I was experiencing a moment in the canon of American theater, period, <laughs> like done. Um, and, and that felt very rare and special. And I mean, of I've been seeing theater in New York my entire life. And that was like one of those moments where I was like, ooh, I'll tell my grandchildren about that one day, maybe, you know? Um, and then it was announced that it was going to go on 17 tours and be sitting in a thousand cities and blah, blah, blah. And I called it then. I said, everyone's going to get like oversaturated with this real fast. Because what happened was when the soundtrack hit, all the theater queens came for it. Mm-hmm. So every theater fag in America and beyond was like, oh my God, the soundtrack. Immediately people started memorizing, blah, 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 right? Then it became mainstream. So people who were not theater people, but people who were just into hip hop, like started started getting on board because real recognizes real. So therefore, like he's on the cover of Rolling Stone and people want in on that too. So then it started like kind of like bleeding into hip hop culture. Then it started like, actually it wasn't a part of hip hop culture, like from the get. But then like all of these people who were just like white podunk teachers who were like, oh my God, have you heard of Hamilton? I'm like, yes, two years ago. Yeah, like a year and a half ago. Yeah. Um, so have you, have you heard of Hamilton? Have I heard of it? So then, yes, I've heard of it. The, um, the audacity that a, I know. that a Puerto Rican. But furthermore, <laughs> it started to bother me because since then, some amazing theater has come out. Some amazing, groundbreaking, beautiful pieces of work have come out. And there has not been boo mentioned about it because America only has this reference to theater being Hamilton. So I just feel like there's, it's like, cool. If you want to be on board with Hamilton and you want to like be such a fan, that's amazing. Great. Cool. But do some, do some homework and learn the roots behind that. And learn about the other things that are coming out too, right? So real quickly, like, then everybody just got, like, really oversaturated with it. And then it started going on tour and blah, blah, blah. And people started getting tickets to see it. And 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 then it came to San Diego. Yes. <laughs> so. Now, my journey, with, my journey with Hamilton. You talk about it. So my journey with Hamilton is a little bit different than that. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I, and growing up as like, you know, a little gay kid, <laughs> growing up a little gay kid on an island far, far away, all I had was like cast albums and, and that's all I had. But so when it, when like the opportunity came for me to move to the mainland and be in a major city that could experience like a real Broadway tour and have that be something that I, something that I could enjoy regularly, like Mm -hmm. I, that was, that was game changing Mm -hmm. for me. And it like gave me, it like, I, I have like the rainbow, like it was like rainbows shooting at me. So with Hamilton, I, in like July or June, I saw that there were tickets. Um, someone posted on Facebook, oh my God, like there are tickets for Hamilton at in LA on this Tuesday in November. Like they're still really decently yeah. priced tickets. I'm like, okay, cool. 
went, purchased two tickets. Not the most expensive tickets I've ever bought. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've ever bought. But still, like, you know, I I probably shouldn't have done that. But I did it. I happened to have money at that time. And I was like, great, going to do it. And then November hits. I see it at Pantages, which, by the way, sidebar, Pantages is a beautiful theater. Pantages is a beautiful theater so much so that I won't see anything at the Civic. Like, I won't yeah. see shows that tour to San Diego Civic Theater because the Civic is like, I, sorry, I'm talking shit about the city, but like, it's not, it's, it's a giant opera house. It's too big for a touring theater production. Oh yeah. And it's not meant to serve your audience well at all. Like, so all of the seats in that theater are really shitty and I don't know. The Pantages is beautiful. It's a yeah. beautiful historic theater, and it's worth driving up to LA to see theater there instead of at the San Diego Pacific. I, and I'm in, and after seeing that show there and seeing like for my first show at Pantages to be Hamilton, that uh-huh. was pretty magnificent. I went with my friend who she she loves a big splashy musical. She also had nothing. She had no idea what Hamilton was about. She just uh-huh. knew that it was a thing. That was the cool thing for me too when it came to San Diego. I'm sorry to cut you off. No, go for it. Um, a couple of my friends who had no no real frame of reference to this at all, they were just like, uh, my boyfriend got me a ticket. Or my mom called me last minute and said, hey, like, do you want to come to the show with me? And I went, but I, I kind of vaguely know what it's about. I maybe heard one song about it. I'm not sure. And they were like floored. So it's, it was cool for me to see it through their eyes and not just through kind of like the the overly saturated like fangirl eyes. Exactly. And I was really glad that I did not go with somebody who was like, who overplayed the soundtrack. Like I did, like Mm -hmm. I had not listened to the soundtrack full through for about a year up to that point, just because it, it, it overplayed so much for me. Uh And so seeing it uh, with my friend Heather and we, we walk into the Pantages and we're like, this is an amazing theater. (laughs) Like, why are we, we can, we are completely ruined for, for, uh, for yeah. the Civic Theater at that yeah. point. I'm sorry. But yeah, we were completely ruined for that. We were already looking at like, okay, what's their next season? Yeah. I just got an email today about their next season. Yes. Coming on they do, they do. Yeah. So we we made, we made it there and then like there was... I never thought that I, one thing that I thought was weird was that there was an empty seat next to her mm-hmm. the entire show. And I was like, huh. I was like, Oh my God, this person died <laughs> because <laughs> cause like someone died because I don't know. I don't someone know. Someone is dead. Um, but the thing about the thing about that show was that it took me like three songs to really just enjoy the storytelling mm-hmm. to get over the initial shock of, Oh my God, I'm seeing Hamilton. <laughs> and I'm like, slumdog millionaire flashback of my entire life yeah. leading up to this point and <laughs> my ancestors are there watching from the island saying yes now you see but, funny. but like it was it was a and it was a really good I, again really good piece of theater and you know you can always count on a tour to pretty much do the things that did right that worked well on Broadway mm-hmm. you know so it's like oh wow like that's so cool how the choreography worked this way and I really loved um Oh my God, I don't even know his last name, but his Rory, who played the king, um, mm-hmm. and he did it on Broadway, but now he's on the tour. Like, there were people who were better on the live production than they were on the soundtrack, yeah, in many respects, because like they also were on the original cast mm-hmm. and uh, the original ensemble. I have a lot of respect for tours because, like, the artists who are on tour are they work so damn hard, yeah, and and also like the producers who put together touring casts work are now much different than they were like 20 years ago. Like the tours back in the day were not as carefully crafted as they are now. And now I think that idea of really giving people in 
Kansas and people in Spokane and people in Tennessee. Like and Tempe. Really, yes, and really giving people the experience of what's happening in New York is is something that's really important to producers, and, and I respect that a lot. Yeah. I'm still a bougie dick who will only see shows in New York. What I did not appreciate but... were the three theater kids who sat behind me and during intermission and before the show felt the need to sing things and it was like have you already seen Hamilton yeah I actually saw it I saw the original cast in in New York with Lin-Manuel like it was really great and then they proceeded did they sing along with the show they did not I was gonna cut I was gonna cut cut a bitch because we don't pay to see you I was like we didn't pay to come for you I was like Wendy be with me (laughs) (laughs) I got my knife from my sheath and I was like oh Wendy be with me give me the the power of Long Island go ahead give me the strength with my (laughs) almond tip nail to swipe at these people yes but but like they didn't but like before the show started they started singing um they sang for forever from from dear evan hansen i was like we get it you're a theater kid woohoo like come on i want those children to really understand and know that one day they will look back on this moment and be mortified by themselves yes i was like you guys are gonna 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 think about this one day you'll think about this moment and you'll hate yourself. You'll find a self-loathing <laughs> you're going to struggle with a lot. And I just kept looking at my friend Heather and we do this great thing when we do side eye. We're just like, mm. and then we start texting and it's like, yep. do you want to cut them? or do I? Cause Trust. I, so yes. And then at intermission, they sang the, the dear Theodosia. And I was like, no. girl, no, shut up. Like full voice. <laughs> like it was like one of those like, Dear Theodosia, what to say to you? Like very low, but they then one person started and then two other people started. Uh, and I was like, oh my God. I hate people. Your boyfriend's going to be gay. Like, <laughs> just a fact. One day your husband will come out. Yes. I saw Lady Bird. Uh, <laughs> Honestly and truthfully, the reason I'm such a bougie dick about seeing theater in New York is because. I don't want to see shows that that people are so familiar with that they'll sing along. <laughs> yeah. I can't deal. I cannot. I will cut someone. I went and I saw Anastasia when it was still in previews. Mm-hmm. Ugh, God, that show was awful. But still, whatever. <laughs> it's okay. Derek Klenna's really cute, though. I mean, <laughs> bless it. Adorable. But yes. But anyway, I saw it. And this bitch sitting behind me was singing along the whole time. And I finally turned around. I turned around like <laughs> halfway through act one and I was like, I didn't pay for you. <laughs> I wish I could have been there. It's like, I, I'm not here for you right now. That's the price of admission. And she shut up real quick and her friend like elbowed her and her said, I'm like, oh, you can say what you want to about me. Mm-hmm. You were not on this ticket that I purchased. Bye. Yeah. Mm-mm. No, I don't have it for people. No. God, I hate people so much sometimes. Okay. Um, now, I will say this. Like, in, in Wendy's defense, as, like, as much of a bougie bitch as she says she is, <laughs> Wendy is also, like, a person who understands the value of, like, of good theater and how it relates to everybody and how it's, like, art is attainable for the masses to, you know. But in this particular instance... <laughs> You know, we we have our things. So, you know, we have our things. We all have our things. Yeah. Thank you for that validation, acceptance. I I, I, I receive that. I'm right there with you. Thank you. Get it. Okay. Um, We have two more little things to talk about. Okay. Versace. (gasps) Mm. 
Versace. The Amer what is it? The American Um part? it's the assassination of Johnny Versace, but it's part American of Crime Story. American Crime Story, okay. Season two. Mm-hmm. Ryan Ryan Murphy Ryan Murphy Faggity The faggity Ryan Murphy He's like let's collect All the Hollywood fags <laughs> And put them in one story You know um, Darren Chris uh, it Just got engaged To his girlfriend Of seven years He's straight He That's He's straight <laughs> I follow him on Instagram. Surprise, surprise. And he was like, oh, it's been such a great ride. Taylor, Brittany, whatever fucking her name is. It's like, <laughs> but we now, now we're going into marriage. I'm like, bitch, you straight? I need to see You this. have, you like vagine? What? Hold on. I don't believe you. So I'm looking it up right now. Hold on. It, oh God. Darren, it just kind of makes sense. Cause it's like, you know, Darren Chris he's Holt. just so like, you know, he's one of those like, oh, I'm just going to be like, I'm going to be right at the edge. I'm going to be artsy, but Here not. It is. Let's read this caption. Mia and I have Mia. Had, Mia. Mia and I have had seven and a half years of fun, wacky, wonderful, <laughs> crazy adventures together. We're such I assholes. I don't know why Darren Chris is British in my head right now. But, and I'm <laughs> and I'm happy to announce that we're kicking those adventures up a notch. We're going for it. To boldly go where neither of us have gone before. Engage. Ring emoji. Oh, that's both tacky and geeky. Oh. Mm. But he's straight. He's but straight, y'all. Okay, boo. You do you. <sighs> yeah, we'll see. Listen, love is love. Go ahead. Godspeed. And, like, the fact that, like, Darren Chris is half Filipino and Cunanan's half Filipino. By the way, like, fun San Diego trivia. Yeah. Andrew Cunanan was born in National City. Really? Um, Andrew Cunanan was born in National City in San Diego County. He attended UC San Diego for like a quarter and then got, and then left, dropped out. He attended the Bishop School in La Jolla. Like he is from here. I actually have a friend who told me that his uncle, distant uncle is like Andrew Cunanan. And I was like, is that why you, is that why you were a lascivious fag? But, (laughs) but yes. So Cunanan is from here, which like it's awesome because here you have half half Filipino guy being played by half Filipino guy. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Ricky Martin just crying in tennis whites. Representation is important. Exactly. Representation is important. For but you have Filipinos. But let's but let's talk about what we really want to talk about. As we I'm want to talk about Instagram the right accent. now. Sorry. Now I'm yeah. Now I'm like man. on Instagram with Darren Chris. Sorry about it. Okay. We can't let this man kill him twice. I'm back. Yeah, let's talk about Donatella. Donatella. I don't. What kind of like dental implants <laughs> did they give her for this? Did she think that the teeth were gonna do all the work for she, her? She's someone's gonna get like a technical Emmy for designing that implant or whatever. Probably, but I. I would think, though, and she's spoken about this in several interviews, that she personally knows Donatella Versace. Yeah, and she's like, like a, yeah, they're like friends. Yeah, so she's like, I would imagine working really hard to honor her. Mm-hmm. Which I don't think she did a bad job. I actually mm-hmm. was like low-key living for I was expecting something a little bit more of a caricature, but I thought that she played it really well. Mm-hmm. And I was listening to another podcast where they were talking about, like, we forget that Penelope Cruz get her start, got her start being the muse for Pedro Amoldovar. <laughs> like, so she's, you know, so yeah. she's used to kind of these like crazy, wacky, kooky type yeah. roles, mm-hmm. but like still playing them off as like this high drama. And I just like, 
I just can't wait to get to get to get more of her. I really yeah. can't. Yeah, I mean, I feel like everything that Ryan Murphy does, like with the American Crime Story, like I watched the O.J. Simpson, the People versus O.J. Simpson, full through twice, because mm-hmm. um, it's so good. It's yeah. so beautifully made, and like the nuance of the twists and turns of the story and the things that the the media did or didn't cover mm-hmm. is so. Um, so beautifully done and delicately done. Yeah. The commentary's there. Like yeah. you, you, you already, it's one of those pieces where it's one of those like works where you can, you know exactly what they're talking about. Cause they're very plain about what it is within the first episode, but you're still watching it because it's not hitting you over the head and you kind of want to see where they're going with it, uh-huh. but it's just, it's just really great. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 So Versace, watch it. Versace. I'm curious to see how this uh, this all plays out. The other thing I'm curious about and skeptical about, and this is the last bullet point on our agenda for Allenda. tonight. Yeah. Our agenda. How are we on time? Are we good? Oh, we're good. Okay. I mean, we have all the time in the world, but I know where I want to end at a certain point. So yes. Okay. And we're good. We're good. Okay. So um, I I come from a land of children's theater, friends. Um, <laughs> though I'm foul mouthed by night. I teach to the children people during the day. Um, but I come from children's theater and it's very important to me. And, and I think that um, the structures and the things that we're, we're exposed to as, as children, like specifically within the arts, the arts that we're exposed to as children really do shape who we are as adults completely. Um, for me, that was certainly true. Um, and uh, Sesame Street, for so many of us, is our first teacher, um, as is Mr. Rogers. Mm. And so Mr. Rogers is a very, very important person. I've been to the Mr. Rogers Museum in Philadelphia um, for 10 years. I had my theater company. Before we had our first show of every season, I would read them a, a letter to that was written to Mr. Rogers and his response back to that child that wrote him the letter. So Mr. Rogers... Um, spent like something like 60% of his week writing letters by hand to every person who ever wrote a letter to him. Wow. And that was like, he's just, oh God, he was just so iconic and amazing. So this week, twas announced that- The most recent news. The most recent art and culture, pop culture, hoo-ha. It was announced that Tom Hanks is going to be playing Mr. Rogers in a biopic called You Are My Friend. Um, and silence. <laughs> I well, mm-hmm. while I'm, I'm kind of like thrilled that Mr. Rogers is going to be like put on such a platform and like kind of given a major motion picture and um and that his life and his work is going to be on display because he lived a fascinating life. Um, I don't know that I want that story touched at all. Mm. And I'm a little skeptical of it. And, and people are going both ways on it. And people are like, Tom Hanks is perfect casting. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I, uh, sure, I guess. But I just, I don't, I don't know that I want that touched. And I'm afraid that it might get butchered. I don't know. What do you think? I'm, I have a similar reverence for Mr. Rogers as well. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was a kid, 
um, I'd wake up early enough to go to school. And before we walked out the door, we had a chance to like watch a full episode of Mr. Rogers Neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And it was, you know, I mean, on the Guam, on the Guam. And that's the thing is that, you know, this white man is teaching us public television and like that's and that's what we had. Mm -hmm. And my God, Mr. Rogers Neighborhood, Contact, Sesame Mm -hmm. Street, all of that stuff. So Mr. Rogers Neighborhood has a special place in my heart in that regard, because I just remember you know, it was one of the one of the most fun things to do right before you went to school, and then you could talk to your friends about it and uh-huh. talk about all that stuff and Mr. McFeely and all of that. So Daniel the striped tiger, exactly. Yeah. Um, and I I have mixed feelings about it because it's such a revered figure that like yes, of course we're gonna get Tom Hanks to do it because it's like a low. It's not as controversial of a of a casting choice in order to tackle that particular that particular story but at the same time like you know there are several stories that need to be told did this need to be told maybe not now Mm -hmm. like i don't under i don't i'm curious as to why i'm curious as to like what that says about like culture that this is something that's coming out right now Mm -hmm. well i think that whether we know it or not, Mr. Rogers was one of our first examples of art and activism. Um, as he was one of our first examples of art as activism, really. And he was a huge voice for um, national public television. Um, and he petitioned the Supreme Court to keep public television alive and to have access to every family, regardless of um, income or social status or classism or any of that. Um he, this movie apparently is supposed to be, the film is inspired by, I'm reading directly from Variety.com. The film is inspired by a real life friendship between Fred Rogers and award-winning journalist Tom Junod. In the story, a cynical journalist begrudgingly accepts an assignment to write a profile piece on the beloved icon and finds his perspective on life transformed. Mm. Um, so... So he's still magical. Maybe. And I imagine it might be a, a memory piece and like a flashback kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But um, but who knows? I have another little Mr. Rogers anecdote. Tell me. Too. Um, I met, um, so obviously because I'm like obsessed with children's theater and puppetry and Mr. Rogers is like a huge kind of catalyst for that in my life. Um, I've been obsessed with the puppets of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood for my whole life. So going to the museum in Philadelphia and seeing Daniel, the striped tiger and seeing Sarah Saturday and King Friday mm-hmm. and Prince Tuesday. I was like, huh? Like um, I have pictures with all of them. It's amazing. <gasps> I know I'll dig them up for you. Um, but uh, I met the voice of Prince Tuesday at a conference in Vancouver a couple of years, uh, maybe couple of years ago. Wow. I know. And so he was, we were kind of sitting around a room. We were doing a bunch of readings and, um, and uh, we all kind of introduced ourselves and where we were from. And he was talking and something about his voice kind of like clicked in my head. And then right before he said it, he said, you know, you might recognize me uh, from Mr. Rogers neighborhood. And uh, I'm the voice of Prince Tuesday. And I went, Oh, <laughs> Literally, like, I, I made the most grotesque, annoying noise from across the room and the whole room turned and looked at me and I was like, oh, like literally my hands outstretched to this man across the room. Like it was such a 
like not my finest quick he's moment. gonna attack <laughs> not my finest moment uh, but this was very early on in the conference and I had this moment where I like immediately like stupidly fangirled out on him and um and and he kind of looked at me and we had this shared moment afterwards we had this like lovely conversation and and I told him like what that whole experience was for me and and then throughout the rest of the conference we kind of hung out <gasps> I know. And he like told me like some fun, like behind the scenes stories of like how like he, like the crew, they would like play practical jokes on Fred Rogers and like hide, like blow up dolls in the closets where his sweaters were and stuff. And like, <laughs> um, <laughs> but like, Oh God, it was just like, I was like, Oh my God, you're Prince Tuesday. Oh my God. <laughs> You're like, Oh, just amazing. So amazing. Um, so yeah. Um, I kind of want to, I want to end on that because that's okay. just such a beautiful, you know, talking about arts and activism and the mm-hmm. whole reason why we're here talking about this, you know, uh, folks, we, we have lives, so this is only once a month. So this is once a month, you know, so, so I mean, it's our monthly guys. Yeah. So we're going to give it to you. So we're going to serve it up every month, like a cycle. Yes. Like a monthly cycle. This is our cycle. Where cycles are syncing up. Our, where our cycles are synced the fuck up. Now let's talk a little bit about next month's cycle. So next month's cycle, what do Febrero. we got? In February, Untitled Friends, stay tuned because in February, we're going to hit you with some Super Bowl halftime realness. Okay. We're going to talk about Justin Timberlake and God damn it, he better bring Janet Jackson onto that stage and publicly apologize and let her t- like take over the show because... Yes. If that doesn't happen, I will. He'll be dead to me. Yeah, he'll be just a man in the woods. That's right. Yeah. So that's it. so we're gonna bring you Super Bowl halftime realness, Olympics opening and closing. Yes, and maybe and hopefully, like of the three gays that are on the team that are out and proud, hopefully someone takes home some hardware. I we're so, gonna get into some figure skating gaudiness. If you want to know, if you want to know something about me, this is my truth, my aesthetic is that I follow gay men on Instagram. I am no, I, I follow everyone from Jesse Tyler Ferguson mm-hmm. to Gus Kenworthy, who is the Olympic free skier to like literal chorus boys on Broadway, like <laughs> taking dressing room selfies and talking about hashtag yeah. happy national swing day. Don't give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. yes, Gus Kenworthy looking forward to seeing him, hopefully taking some gold medals, Adam Rapon, who is the first out member of Team USA that joined, mm-hmm. who basically said, like, I'm not going to follow behind Mike Pence. I'm not going to the White House. Yes, yes, that was amazing. Slay Queen. He's like, I'm just trash. And I'm like, yeah, you are. You um, what's funny to me, too, is that, like, figure skaters of the 80s, 90s have been, like, so ridiculously out and gay. But, like, so the fact that, like, he's, he's lauded as the first... Openly gay is like uh, the first one. Um, uh, first one on Team USA for this team out. So oh, not for a, this year, not in this, history, not in history. Okay, so, so that's where I was like misconstruing because like Gus Kenworthy was out at like his last Olympics or came out shortly after his last Olympics, uh-huh. but like he's the first one who's like officially on the team for this year. That's got out. it, got it, got it, got it. Okay, so in addition to all of the Olympics realness that we're about to give you, we're also going to continue to recap Drag Race, mm-hmm. give you updates on all prep us for Oscar moments. Versace. So we're going to need, yes, we're going to continue with Versace. We're going to um, also hopefully catch up on all of the, the nominated films for March and so on and so forth. So I actually have some pop culture homework for you. Bring Ms. it. Wendy. So... I, 
I now give you mm-hmm. the task of watching seasons one and two of One Day at a Time on Netflix. Oh, with Rita Moreno. With Rita Moreno. All right. Norman I Lear's can... plus one. Uh, yes. <laughs> All right, hold on. Let me get into this. I also have to watch Girls Trip now. Yes, Girls okay. Trip. One day at a time. And it is, it's half an hour. They're, they're only, like, you can get one through it. One day at a time. One day at a time. Is that still the same theme song or no? It is still the same. Th- th- no it's way. the same theme song, but it is um, MSM'd because it's redone by Gloria Estefan. Shut your face. And it's like, this is it. This is life, the one you get. Come on in, have it all. Shut Oh <laughs> yes, Azucar. Yes. Oh it's, my god. You're gonna love it because the premise of one day of this reboot of one day at a time okay. is that it is a multicam sitcom, but it is basically same premise. It's a single mother with her li- living with her mother and then her two kids, but this time she's a combat veteran living in Echo Park, Los oh. Angeles, and they're Cuban. <laughs> Interesting. So there's there. no Mackenzie Phillips with Mackenzie like Phillips an is, awful drug problem and incest issues. So no. Mackenzie Phillips is in the show briefly as really? as like a counselor or a therapist. Good. But very briefly. Okay. She actually con- she has this really great line in the and first. What about Val? Is Val in it? Val's not in it. Okay. And there's still a Schneider. Of course. So, like, I'm curious to see because I'm not familiar at all with the fr- with the original One Day of at a Time. You're not, because you're 12, you know, because I'm I'm a baby, I'm a babe. <laughs> uh, but I'm very curious you're to 12 see, and I am 80. How it holds up, all right. um, with someone who watched I've the original. I've heard good things about it. I've heard good things about the reboot. Ooh, it is like full of cubanidad too. So Solid. you're gonna love it. All right, I'm down. I'm down. I'm down. I'm trying to think if I have any homework for you. Do you have homework for me? Do I have homework for ooh? Um, it's like, oh, is Miss Wendy giving me homework? I, I no, I'm lazy. It's fine. I I'm like a lazy teacher like that. It's fine. I don't give homework. I like it. Thanks. Sorry, I gave you a lot. <laughs> it's all good. Listen, I'll tear through it. It's yeah, all good. it's all comedy, so it's not like I'm asking you to like it's read really the Rise and Fall of the Roman. Do you Empire, know what so. I feel like we should also discuss? Tell me. Um, next month because mm-hmm. we've run out of time in in this in the month of January. But for our time of the month, next month, um, we should re- revisit the reboot of Will and Grace. Yes, because I think by then we will have, it, it might be over by then, by next month. I'm not sure when when the season one finishes. I, I think there. I think the a lot of the shows are getting interrupted because of the Olympics. So uh-huh. they might they might be over in March. But yes, we okay. do need to talk about that because I want to rewatch everything that's out now because it's all on it's all on Hulu and stuff. Uh-huh. And I want to now having gotten over the initial shock, really see where we've come. Mm-hmm. It's funny because I have like all of the original series seasons one through seven mm-hmm. seven seasons um and a lot of it is really dated yes it's really interesting to to watch it now really dated really like kind of problematic gay rights has come a long way there's yeah. a lot there's a lot of really taboo stuff now said about you know then that mm-hmm. was kind of very tongue-in-cheek but now is super offensive and you know so it's really it was a good 10 years ago guys so yeah Right. Yeah. Well, Wendy, thank you. Josephine, it's been a pleasure. I mean, should we do this again next month? Let's let's do this again next month. I'll see you next month. Let's sync up our cycles. Okay. Okay, bye.